Thanks for listening to Hanging With The Sotelos Podcast I love you, Ariela, and I love that song. Thank you, John Francis. Familia, many of you have requested an episode dedicated to life after divorce, especially after suffering an infidelity. How can you learn to trust again, to love again, a new partner and yourself without the fear of it happening again? Mm. How do you not carry the pain, the hurt, shame, and doubt into your next relationship so that you can actually give it a chance to succeed? Most importantly, how do you forgive, heal, and learn how to be at peace with your past so you can have hope in your future? We are blessed to have two of our best friends on today's episode, Jessica and TJ. They are an amazing couple that found true love after Jessica's divorce. And we hope that their experience can fill you with hope that love can conquer all. Yes. Before we begin, we'd like to thank God for another opportunity to hang out with you. My name is Shaboy Edgar. This is me, Novia Eterna Janet. Hola, that's me. All right, guys. We're super excited for this episode. Uh, please welcome one of our all-time favorite couples on planet Earth. Yes. They have four wonderful children, three beautiful daughters, and a son who's in heaven. They just celebrated their seventh wedding anniversary. Give it up, everybody. Congrats. Jessica and TJ, welcome. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. So great to talk to you. Edgar and Janet, we love you both. <laughs> Likewise. Thank you, guys. We love you guys so much. So just a little bit of context. I met TJ through radio. Right. He's an amazing radio host that I look up to tremendously. One of the most creative cats that I've ever met in my life. Uh, he was out in Boston at the time. I was in Dallas. Long story short, we became friends. Next thing you know, we're calling and not just talking radio, but we're talking about life and we're talking about God and faith and ever since then, I'm talking about maybe 2013 or so, we've just mm -hmm. have built this amazing relationship. And when we moved to New York, Janet met Jess. Yeah. Yep. And, and that turned into a beautiful relationship. And that's awesome because when you as dudes get along, you just pray that your wives also get along. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and thankfully, right. it worked out. And I remember one of my favorite memories that to this day for Janet and I has been one of our best experiences when we lived in New York is uh -huh. we didn't even know you guys that well per se, because it was yeah. all via phone call. And then Jess right. is like, Hey, we're going to Pennsylvania to my parents home and they have a church in their front yard. <laughs> and do you guys want to come and like spend the weekend with us and go to church? Yes, we're there. <laughs> we were all about <laughs> discovering and getting to know like the tri-state and yeah. and then we loved you guys from the beginning. So it was like, why not? Let's go. Babe, you remember we went into the room in there, uh -huh. Jessica's parents. <laughs> not wait, what? <laughs> TJ and Jess's room, but 
in the room they had prepared for us. Uh-huh. Now people are thinking we're swingers, but we're not. <laughs> we're hanging with Los Otelos, not swinging with Los Otelos. Clear that the difference. But, babe, remember the details they had in the room? Oh, I've applied that, too. Like, every time we have guests, they have a little... They Your mom had a little basket. Or I don't know if it was you, but you guys had a little basket for us and a bunch of cute little toiletries and, and gifts. And gifts. And it was... Uh, I was pregnant with Ariela. And then yeah, you guys had yeah. tons of gifts. And it was, like, the details that matter. And it was, it did, you guys just made us feel at home. It was wonderful. So thank you for Aww. being such a blessing to us. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you guys felt so at home. I think that is, like... I feel like sometimes people think hospitality is like a lame gift. They're like, oh, I'd rather be like an amazing leader or something. But like hospitality, the ability to make somebody who's not at home feel like they're at home is such a high calling and such a beautiful thing. And can you imagine like anything really kinder, like to allow strangers, travelers, acquaintances friends into your home and Mm. make them feel like it's their home like i feel like that right there is the love of god oh that's beautiful you couldn't have said it more like better than that absolutely (laughs) jessica thank you and tj thank you for being so open to speak about this it's not an easy topic but i think the topics that aren't easy to discuss are the best to discuss because we don't talk Mm. about them enough and therefore Mm -hmm. that means people aren't healing enough Mm. jessica you went through a difficult first marriage. Um, I you did. Ended up getting divorced, and it was because of an infidelity. So let's go chronologically, if you, if it's okay with you, and just take us yep. through that, and then we'll move on to when you met your Príncipe Azul, as we say in Espanol. Mm-hmm. How would you say in English? Your Prince Charming. Beautiful. Your Prince Charming, <laughs> aka okay, TJ. <laughs> well, I like how it sounds in Spanish. Um, so. My parents are pastors. I grew up in the church and I feel really just like proud of my upbringing. I feel grateful. I was super loved. I knew I was loved. I have a big family and my parents have a really beautiful marriage that they fought really hard for. Like they will tell you themselves that they started out not being very in love and having a really hard time. And it's actually through God's grace and their hard work just gotten better and better and better. And they call it a fine wine. And now they really deeply love each other and they are each other's best friends. And it's just, and since I came into the picture, I'm the fourth kid. I always saw a really stable marriage. So I sort of like getting a divorce was not even in my wheelhouse Mm. of opportunity. Like I never thought that would be part of my story. I got married in my early twenties to Basically, like, I think he was my second boyfriend and I met him in church. He was on the worship team. Like he played music in church. He served in other ways in church. He was approved by basically everyone. Mm -hmm. And we waited to have sex until we were married. And how old were you when you got married? We, I was 24. Mm, Being raised in like the Christian, you know, culture you get married generally pretty young Mm -hmm. and you generally don't have sex until you get married, which is probably connected. That's probably why a lot of people get married pretty young. (laughs) Um, They're like, sure, you'll do. Let's go. Probably like a cause and effect (laughs) there. And, you know, I thought at the time he was the love of my life. I thought I would raise a family with him. I thought that I knew him as well as you could know somebody. I was somebody that was really honest. But you know what's so interesting? I think back and... And I'm not blaming this on on Christian or church culture at all, but 
it is really just what you did. Like you dated someone for a while and if they were fine, like there was no red flags or anything, then you got married. Makes and sense. there just wasn't really a ton of other thoughts like about maybe, maybe you don't get married for a long time. Maybe you go and have a career before you get married. It's just kind of what a lot of people did in my town. And I remember at our wedding, leaving to like go to the hotel for our wedding night, which should be a really exciting time. And I remember actually just crying a lot. And my whole family was there and they were spending the night where we were getting married and they were going to have breakfast together and have a great time. And I remember being like, I wish I could just stay with my family. And so that makes me wonder like if there was something I wasn't totally honest about, like maybe I wasn't hundred percent happy. I don't know, but I have these memories and it, it's really contrasting to when down the road I married TJ. Like I didn't have any of those conflicting feelings. I wasn't crying out of sadness. I don't know. That's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It is very interesting. And I think TJ's happy that you wanted to stay with him and not go to your parents <laughs> on your yes, wedding. I think so too. <laughs> and not just stay with my family. Um, <laughs> this is a serious so, topic, babe. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> In addition to being married, I was also, um, a dancer and a singer and a performer. And I had been auditioning for different shows. I think with maybe like the second year we were married, I got my first international tour, which I did. I did a show in, I did fame the musical. I was one of like a lead and it was super exciting. And my ex, can I just call him Bob? Yeah. Let's call your ex Bob. I'll just call him Bob. Bob um, was really, really supportive, knew that was always a dream of mine to perform and was like 100%, yes, you're going to go do this. It was it was two months. I went and did it and it was um, really awesome. And I also really missed him. So it was like hard and good. Um, but a lot of couples, you know, they'll sacrifice so that one person kind of has their dream career. And so, and we were both on the same page with that. And then I got another show. Um, the same producers wanted to hire me for another show. This one was in the States. We made it work where I went on tour and we would visit back and forth and spend time with each other whenever we could. And again, he was really positive, really proud of me. And then a little while later, I was home again for a while. And then I got like a life-changing opportunity, which was um, a Broadway show either they hired me for either New York or the first national tour, whichever happened first for me. Like if the girl left in New York, I would take that spot. Or if the first national opened, I would go on that. So I ended up going the first national. It was a big deal because you get paid good money. Um, Like it's a union job. So you get paid really well. Bob was thrilled because the money was really exciting and he was really proud of me. Like he was super proud. Like this was, this is kind of like if you're a dancer singer, this is like getting drafted into the NFL. Like this is it. Deal. Yeah. Broadway is it. Absolutely. Right. Right. So um, I went and did that gig and it was like, you know, exciting and I missed him, but we made it work. And it was on that show where things just started to feel harder and he started to like, just pull back and like not, really call me as much and not try to communicate with me as much. And so I noticed that and I'm always, I've always been a person, TJ, when you say I'm, I'm like, if there's something going on, I, I want to talk about it. Like I do not avoid confrontation at all. Like <laughs> even, even in my family of origin or like 
TJ, like if, if I know somebody's upset, like I, it's almost like I don't want to do anything else until we figure it out so that things are better. You know, yeah, I've had to be bonus. very selective about it. If I, if I have like a tiny little attitude in the kitchen, I have to be ready to talk about it <laughs> at great length and explain why I had a tiny attitude in the kitchen. So I usually don't have a tiny attitude in the kitchen because she'll talk about everything. It's really true. I just, I can't sweep things under the rug. I can't ignore things. Like it's so hard right. for me to do that. So of course I was like, Hey, what's going on with Bob? And he would just say things like, I am realizing that I'm having, like, I had some childhood trauma that I never dealt with. And so I've started going to a therapist and I'd be like, okay, that's great. I'm so proud of you for going to a therapist. Like, that's an amazing thing. He would say he was going to talk to me at 9 PM and then he would just be nowhere to be found. And so I'd be like, that's strange. Like I waited up for you. I'm wondering where you are. And then he started sort of like gaslighting me in that I could tell something was going on with our relationship. And he would say, why do you always make everything about you? Um, this is not about you. This is just about me. I'm realizing I'm going through a hard time and need to have therapy and you need to give me space and not ask me what's going on because you're being selfish and trying to make it about you. It was very confusing and at one point, he seemed to be doing really badly. So I actually left my job. I told I told our stage manager, I was like, I have to go home. My husband, he just needs me. And the understudy has to go in. I went home and um, I actually found a condom on the, like, on the floor, on the side of our bed. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. I, were you guys ready for me to mention the word condom? I kind of yeah. like I just jumped right into that. No, it's okay. But, Yes, I found it. And um, anyway, I went downstairs and I was like, hey, um, I found this condom like by our bed, but I I haven't been home for a a while. Wait, Mm. the condom was open? It was a used condom. Yeah. Oh, yes. So it was. Yep, it was open. And um, he was like, oh, Jess, that's from you and me. And I was like, it doesn't seem that old. And he was like, it's totally from you and me. And he said, I have not been having sex with anyone else. And I was like, oh, right, of course. Like, I wouldn't, I don't even know what I was trying to say because I was right. like, oh, I wouldn't think you were having sex, but like, I don't know why he would have a condom otherwise. Right. But like the, the phrase cognitive dissonance comes to mind because it was such a thing where it's like, you cannot reconcile what you're seeing, mm. any evidence with what you truly believe inside. So, mm-hmm. so therefore it cannot be true because right. if it's true, it, it literally destroys your world. So I was just like, right, of course. And I didn't believe it. And I was like, of course, you're not doing that. I, I, I had a really serious talk with them. And I said, listen, if I need to quit my job, I will, because our marriage 100% comes first. It's, it's just a job. It's a dream job, but it's just a job. And, and I said, please, I need you to be really honest with me because like, you need to let me know what kind of choice this is. And at the time he actually wasn't really working very much. And so he was like, well, we really need the money that you're making. So please go back to work. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, but are, are we going to be okay? And he was like, we'll be fine. At this point, things were getting like really strange in that he hadn't, he hadn't been like cruel to me before this, when I would come home, when we would spend time together, he would, we would get into like a stupid fight, right? But then he would just be be so cruel in his language. And that was really different than he'd been before. And I would start crying. And then he'd be like, you always make this about yourself. Look at you crying. Like, that's just ridiculous. And then he would just leave. And I wouldn't know where he was. And he would just be gone for a really long time. 
and and then he would eventually come home and he wouldn't tell me where he was and I wouldn't even really ask and it, it felt like this thing like how have I thought I was in a happy marriage I thought I was in a really good marriage I thought we both were Christians who have these same values the exact same values right. and now I'm in this it feel I felt like I was in this stranger's story like this I was watching a movie but it was my story and I, it was also a really interesting time slash painful time because he was my husband. And so I actually didn't tell anyone what was going on because I didn't want my family, mm. really my family to become angry at him because he was my husband. And that would, in my mind, that would create another problem because I also felt oddly protective of him. Wow. And I knew if I was like starting to tell how he would just leave one time he punched a hole in the wall, which was like, that was really new. And that was actually really scary. Cause like, you know, that's violent. Yeah. I would go back out on tour. I had three roommates who I loved so much. I wouldn't tell anyone what was going on. And I would just lay in bed and I learned how to cry totally silently. And tears would just like go down my face. And then I would take out my phone and I would play solitaire so that I didn't have to think. I would just play solitaire mindlessly until I could just, I was so tired. I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. And I would just fall asleep. And it was like this really crazy way that I would just have of like coping with it where I wasn't telling anyone what was going on. And I was trying to like somehow figure out how I could save my marriage. Then um, things just started getting worse and worse. And eventually, eventually my brother uh, found out that Bob was having a relationship with someone who was also very close to us. And he told us, he told Bob that like, he has to tell me or else, you know, they will tell me. And so Bob tells me I have to come home. And so once again, I tell my stage manager, hey, I, I'm so sorry. Like, I need to go home again. There's a family emergency. Um, my parents pick me up from the airport because I don't know why Bob just says he can't do it. So they pick me up and they're acting like super weird. Like they keep telling me they love me. And I'm like, yeah, I know you love me. Like, <laughs> that's fine. Um, and then they just dropped me off. And did you have any I, idea? What was going to happen? Because I mean, in your heart, in your mind, you kind of knew that maybe something was going on with your husband, but yes, I knew something was really wrong, but he, every time I try to talk about us, he literally would say, you're being so selfish to make this anything about you. Not everything. Why do you always make the world about you? This is just about me. And I have to go through this alone and I'm going to therapy faithfully. So you should be proud of me for that. Like he was so defensive and there are so many problems you guys I mean, I could just go on and on, but so I get home and my parents drop me off and I go in and I see Bob and he is just like, I need to tell you something that might be kind of hard. And I was like, okay, what is it? And he said, I have feelings for this mutual friend of ours. And I was like, oh, and he, and I was like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, I have feelings and she has feelings too. And and I was like, okay, we're married. Like you and me are married. What is that? I don't, what does that mean? Right. And he was like, oh, well, I, I have feelings for you too. I just, I have feelings for her too. And I was like, okay, so what do you want to do about it? And he was like, well, I want to be with you. And it was like confusing and hard. And he was like, and I was like, okay, so you want to be with me? So we'll work it out. And he was like, yes. And he said, we haven't slept together we've only kissed. And I was like, okay, that's good news. I guess that is good news. <laughs> Long story short, like that confession turned out to be 
a false confession. Like they were in a full on adulterous relationship. He was just trying to like, well, not be honest with me. And, right. and so then that happened. And I, again, I didn't really know the full extent of it. it through this whole thing, it was like, he was some puppeteer and I was a puppet on a string. And I never really know, knew the truth until maybe two months later where I found like some emails between these people. I was like, you said that you weren't going to be talking to her at all. And he was like, well, sometimes we still talk, but it's not romantic. It's just like, it's just like we care for each other, like, you know, close friends. And I was like, that's BS. Like that doesn't make any sense. I also just felt like, again, my whole world, like I remember finding this out, finding out that he had feelings for somebody else and feeling like, how do you even move forward? How do you rebuild this? I don't know how to do it. And it was cold. It was like late in the fall and getting cold. And we were in the Northeast and I just like left the house without a jacket or anything, without ID, without a phone. And I just walked and walked and walked and walked and walked until uh, my lips, I remember, were numb. And I just wanted to, like, go and go and go until I couldn't feel anymore. Mm. Um, But then I realized all of a sudden I'm, like, really far away from home and I don't have any way to call anybody. And it it was, like, dark. It was not well lit. And so I walked into a gas station and I asked if I could borrow their phone. And I tried to call my parents and my mom to this day. She's like, I can't believe I didn't answer that phone call. Oh. Um, they were sleeping. It was really late at night. And then I tried to call Bob and he had fallen asleep. And so then I just walked home. But I oh just, I'll never forget that like feeling of just trying to listen to the sound of my feet on the pavement because that was real. And everything else felt like the sky wasn't blue anymore. The grass isn't green anymore. Like everything that you thought things that make your life, your life felt like it was just different. And it was so, um, I didn't know how I was going to walk forward, but he was like, we're going to make this work. I still want to be with you. Wow. Then wow. a couple of months later, I get home for real. Like my tour has closed. I'm home. I'm excited. We had gone to a therapist once together when, when I found out that he had feelings for someone else, but he said it wasn't like an actual affair at the time. And the therapist had said, listen, while you're finishing your job on the road, you guys need to not talk about really serious matters until you're back in the same room and you're making eye contact and you can like touch each other on the knee and and you can have that connection that you need to have where you're in the same room to talk about it. So for these next weeks, I want you to just talk about like, you know, more pleasant things, which again, I'm a really direct person. And when I know something's (laughs) going on, that's super, super hard to do. Like I just found out my husband has feelings for somebody else and I'm supposed to not talk about that. But Bob was thrilled. Bob was thrilled. The therapist said that he was like, perfect plan. Small talk, talk superficial talk. He's all there. Exactly. And so I did it. Like I finished the tour and I was like, okay, I'm ready to go home. And I remember, and at this point I didn't know that he was having an adulterous relationship. Like he had said that they'd only kissed and it was like done, blah, blah, blah. So was he like, uh, were you like the sugar mama? Like the tour was over. So the money wasn't coming in. So then I'm done. Well, we paid off his college loans with my job. And I have talked to therapists about this, obviously. And when people start just living in the world of deception and lying, there's no foundation. There's no bottom line. Like it's all, you don't even know which way is up anymore. And I think even for the people that are creating these, these lies, like, I don't even know if he fully had a plan other than to try to be this with this woman who also was married 
and and had a, a lot of children. Oh my um, goodness! Wow. So Jess, yeah. basically, from the moment that you found this used condom to yep. when you finally decide that this relationship is gonna be over, how much yep. time passed? And then what is it that finally, like, yeah, finally was like, okay, that's it. Like, we really can't continue. So that was probably about three months between then. And so the day I finally got home, my job ended. I was home, home, home for good. I said to him, I was like, hey, let's talk. Let's talk about a relationship. I'm home now. And he was like, oh, he was like, Jess, you know what? You just got home. It's nighttime. Let's watch The Office. And I was like. No, no, I don't. I I love the office, but I don't want to watch the office. Like we got to talk. And then a good friend who lived out on the West coast, she had heard through the grapevine, Bob had told somebody about the affair. That person told somebody that person told their sister who told my good friend out on the West coast. She called, she called after I got home, she called Bob's phone and he answered it. And she asked to be put on speakerphone. And she said, there's something I need to say to both of you. And she said, listen, Bob, I have it on good authority that you are having sex with so-and-so. Is this true? And it was like a bomb went off in the room. And this was after months of him denying even anything happening anymore, that he'd moved on, that he was wanted to be with me. At the same time, things were really hard and sometimes he was very cruel. So it was very confusing. He started denying it. My friend just hung up. She was. She said what she needed to say and hung up. And then that night, he started, like, he was crying and denying it. He kept saying, it's 110% false. And I remember wow. thinking, why the extra 10%? Right. Because <laughs> last time he told you it was 100%. And then there's right. more stuff that was being found out. So That's the 10%. He needed to increase <laughs> his validity yes, um, in his mind. And I remember I went upstairs. Um, again, he had sent my parents to pick me up from the airport because he said that he had a sore shoulder and he couldn't drive, oh which gosh. it is what it is. Um, what a and so, hair. yep. I went up to our bedroom and I saw on my bed stand, there was a condom wrapper that was open. Oh my gosh, dude. And the, and inside of it was wet. And so like, it was, you know, very, very fresh, like, like had just been used and I hadn't even been home for an hour. So this guy's so sloppy and like, I'm sorry. Well, you wonder, you wonder if it's also, you know, it's so like at, we, we were living in a townhouse at the time and there was a whole nother room that it wasn't even my, like they had a bed and I didn't even sleep in. It's just, it, and you know, you kind of think like you have no decency at all. Like why wouldn't yeah. you just go into the room? That's not our bedroom. <laughs> right. But you know, I guess you're not like, Oh, I'm having an affair. I want to try to be as nice to my wife as possible. When I have <laughs> right. the exactly. Um, but, but that's a good that point. And- <laughs> I'm like, but that's a good point. <laughs> I think this <laughs> Right. And I, I saw that and I, I was like, okay. I mean, there's only so many things that can be presented to you as evidence until you're like, this did, is real. Did you like slap him in the face? Did you like beat him up? Did you do like, what did you do? That's you know like what? so much you know anger. So did crazy? you throw so the doors? Something that was really annoying to me about Bob 
was that he had this amazing ability to just fall asleep all the time really easily. Like even if we were mad at each other, he would just fall asleep. And to me, it was like he could just escape, you know, he could just leave. And um, he had actually already fallen asleep. I, so what I did was I started just taking things, clothes out of my closet and anything and just very, very loudly throwing it into a suitcase, like just really loudly, yeah. you know, in a way to wake him up. And he finally woke up and he was like, what, what do you do? You just got here. Why, why are you packing? What are you doing? I was like crying and just feeling really hysterical. And I took the condom wrapper and I was like, this condom wrapper is wet. It's wet inside. Yeah. And at first he tried to be like, oh, it's old. And I was like, it's not old. It's brand new. You just used it. And then he kind of just was like there and just staring at me. And I, I actually, and this is like sort of crazy, but I, I just laid down next to him and I said, I just want you to know that I've loved being your wife. And I said it in past tense. Mm -hmm. And then I actually just fell asleep. I didn't know what to do. I just stayed there. Oh my God. And he still tried to tell me that he was not having an affair. He didn't, he didn't admit it that night. We both fell asleep again. And I woke up the next morning to the door slamming and he had bought a Jeep with my money (laughs) from my tour. And I could hear his Jeep rumbling and driving away. And I got my phone and I called him and I called him and I called him and I called him. I called him probably like 12 times. And I just kept, it kept going to voicemail and I just call him again to go to voicemail and I call him again. And he finally answered and he said, everything is true. And you're never going to see me again. What? He said, I'm in love with her. We're having an affair and you're never going to see me again. He hung up and I was all by myself and I called my mom and I was just like crying and crying. I get emotional when I think about my parents Mm because I feel like, you know, I'm tough and I can deal with it, but I don't, I hate like breaking their hearts. My parents just like came as fast as they could they were just so devastated with me and for me. And they just came into bed with me, basically cried with me. Um, my brother came and the four of us just like cried and didn't really know what to do other than just crying. And I remember I finally got up and I went into the bathroom and I just like stared at myself in the mirror because I was like, how can I look the same way I looked yesterday when I know all of this, when I, when my husband doesn't love me and my life is not the way that I thought it was, how does my face look the same? I remember feeling like my, I I should look like I have injuries. I should look different. And then (laughs) we went to TGI Fridays (laughs) because we were like, my family was like, well, we're hungry. And so we went out to eat. (laughs) I don't even like Fridays. And we just sat there and, um, my brother was there and he has kids who I just love so much. And it was actually kind of good for me, I think, to be around kids because I, I had to, I, I just couldn't go down into the deep, dark recesses. Like I had to, yeah. you know, talk to them and like their innocence is, is so beautiful. And, and then. Jess, if, I, if you don't mind me interrupting real quick. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking at my wife right now and she's in tears as well. Love. What is it that you're feeling? I'm feeling a lot of things. First of all, I know Jess, and I know she's an amazing woman. And we know her parents. They're amazing and her too. parents are amazing, too. And TJ, I mean, no se diga, he's amazing, too. <laughs> but um, 
what comes to mind is, you know, we are um, sent for a purpose to this world. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to understand why she's had to go through all that pain. Mm. And so as I'm hearing you, Jess, I'm like, you are so mature right now. And you like, I'm trying to ask God, like, why did you allow her to do that? So I'm hearing you and I'm crying and I'm thinking, God, why? So I want to ask you, why do you think you had to go through that, Jess? And I have those tears because I know there's a reason for that. And I'm I mean, just sorry think, you had to go through that. But it's, no, I mean, thank you. That's really kind. And your tears are really kind. And thank you. I really, I really deeply appreciate it. I don't know. I don't understand everything and I don't pretend to understand everything. I think that part of it is that we live in a world that is not perfect. And we live in a world where God in his incredible love for us has given us total freedom because otherwise we wouldn't really be in a relationship with him if we had to be in a relationship with him and Free if we were will. forced to make choices. Right. Exactly. So he loves us so much that he, he creates these beings, right? Us. And then he says, and I'm going to let you make the choices that you want to make in your life. Otherwise relationship isn't authentic. And I think about God, the most important thing is relationship. And so we have this ability to have these beautiful relationships. And with that, we also, as a double-edged sword, we also have the ability to really hurt each other and um, sever relationships. And so I think that I married someone we talked about this since we had some meetings in person that he was just very unformed and also a liar. He was a pathological liar. And I didn't, there's other things I could tell you that, that came up. He started telling me all these things he'd lied about. And I had no idea. I came from a family where we weren't liars and I, you know, thankfully just am not someone who lies. And so I just assumed that he was also honest. I didn't think, Oh, maybe he's lying to me. Right. You know, there's that. And he also had told me, he told me that when he met me, he felt like I was such an amazing person that if he could just get me, then people would also think he was amazing. Oh. He sort of like made up. it seem like, yeah, I mean, and there also might, might be, I am not a psychologist or a therapist, so I, you know, I don't want to diagnose anyone, but there could also be mental illness that he yeah. Yeah, was dealing like with, um, that is thankfully not my problem anymore. Right. Humans make choices sometimes that are, are devastating, that really, yeah. really hurt themselves and other people. What God does, though, is that he somehow brings this beauty. The Bible calls it beauty for ashes. And a lot of times we just, in the moment, all you see are the ashes and you can't fathom the beauty, right? Like hindsight's twenty twenty. But now I see exactly where I am. I see myself next to TJ. Yeah. Like he loves me so well and he I really can't, I, my heart is so full with how much he loves me. And he's also probably the most authentic person I've ever met. He's himself <laughs> all the time, 100% himself. And I see the beautiful babies God has given us. And I would not be here unless I had been through that first marriage and that divorce and the timing worked out to then move to New York City and meet TJ. I don't know. I mean, could it have worked out with Bob if he had made other choices? Sure. Would it have been the kind of relationship I am with someone who is truly a man, who is mature, who makes good choices, who has integrity and character, who's hardworking, like who's honest, who loves me well, who, who cherishes me? No, it would not have been. And I feel like God's plan 
B is so much above and beyond our plan A. Mm. So much to the point that if we really understood that, maybe we would see things that fall through and say, oh, okay, so God is something better. And at the same time, we also have to grieve when life is just so painful. And so you have to go through that. My therapist who I talked to through this divorce, she did something so simple. Like she drew a little, a little body of water. And on one shore, she wrote brokenness. And then on the other shore, she wrote healing. And then in the body of the water, she just wrote pain. And she was like, you just have to go through this. Like mm. you just have to walk through this, this pain. You've got to travel. It. Right. Yes. And then she was like, but on the, on the other side, healing is coming. It's coming, but this is where you are right now. And it's okay. And you can't be anywhere else until you're here first or, you know, while you're here. So I, I, I don't know that God is like, I'm going to make sure you marry someone who may or may not be a psychopath, you know, and who's so dishonest that you, that you don't know that he is. I think that we have choices and God is so kind to take our choices and still weave them into this beautiful picture that blows our mind. I love what you said, Jess, is that God's plan B is a lot better at times than your plan A. And I mean, you can go through the whole alphabet, right? God's plan Z, because sometimes even when he presents plan B, we still choose our own plans. Yeah. And, and that's our prayer, right? That we keep seeking his will and not our own. And, and people say, well, how do you know that it's his will? And at least TJ and I, we've spoken about this, especially with our crazy careers in radio. And it's, you know, you're in God's will because you feel peace Mm. about where you're at, Mm -hmm. whether it be professionally speaking in a relationship or whatever it may be. And what I keep hearing, Jess, is there are very few moments of peace that you had with Bob, your ex. And I think if you're opening up and speaking about this, I know that there are people listening right now that wherever you're at in life right now, if you've been betrayed in the past, whether it be in a marriage, a love relationship or at work or by a family member, you can relate to Jess's pain. You can relate to that moment of this can't be my life. This right. can't like be a reality. Bit of denial, yeah. You know, right? Like that moment right. you said you were walking on the street on the street and you heard your feet, you know, on the road. But that was reality. But everything else seems so surreal. And yeah. coming up next, what we want to dive into is how do you deal with the shame that society puts on divorcees? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with a pastor's kid too? Yes, this, yep. what you were supposed to be these expectations. Not only your own expectations, right? But the expectations that other people had of you. Yeah. And how do you learn to trust another man again after what you just lived through? And TJ, from your side, what we want to know is, (laughs) you know, I'm sure there was people in your life that you love and you care about that were like, hey, be careful with getting serious with somebody that's been through trauma and divorce. They may have some baggage. And you know what? Statistics say divorcees in their second marriage, their chances of getting divorced increases even more on their second marriage. Immediately. Yeah. So absolutely. I couldn't finish the word div and they already said that. (laughs) But uh, let's dive into that coming up next because the message here is that there is hope. Yes. That Mm -hmm. God has plan B, C, D, all the way through Z waiting for you to just call him out for it. Coming up next, we'll dive into that.
before we finally hear from TJ, El Principe Azul, uh, I want to read something that, Jessica, you just posted a few days ago on your Instagram. And by the way, oh. please follow Jessica at Jessica Latshaw and also TJ, of course. They're amazing. He's at Radio TJ. But Jessica, yeah. you wrote this before we dive into you meeting TJ and how do you find hope and trust again and heal from that, what you went through. Mm. But you wrote, I remember the Valentine's Day after my first husband left. He texted me to ask if I was okay. I think he was trying to apologize. Yes, a question mark. I have no idea I'd stop trying to figure him out. And how much does the fly who narrowly escapes the spider's web appreciate an apology text <laughs> from the spider a few months later? I lay in bed staring at the text. It was Tuesday and I was hurting like all the Tuesdays since. Then he mentioned the holiday and I'd actually forgotten and was like laugh out loud. Thanks, dude. I hadn't realized you know, it was Valentine's Day. I remember feeling right. a tremendous amount of shame and wondering how this happened. I remember being astonished by how much a person can hurt and not actually be dying. So this is how you felt shortly after your divorce. Now, take yeah. us to how did yeah. you learn to heal? How did you learn to, to trust another man? enter tj into your life and, and you've mentioned it already you've gone to therapy and and i'm sure a lot of prayer and help from your parents but what can you say to somebody that's listening right now that they don't see hope in the future jess they don't see how they can trust somebody again after being betrayed in the past you know i think that there's this idea that sounds really nice that like i've been through a really hard time and then all of a sudden it's like night and day and suddenly it's like, you know, angel choruses and everything's fine and it's great. And wasn't that, that was a bad thing and now it's done and now I'm good. Mm -hmm. And it's a very sort of black and white approach. But really life is more, what I've experienced, it's more nuanced. It's more dappled. There's, there are definitely moments of light and then the grief, there's still grief for what you've lost. And sometimes you still feel that. And it doesn't mean that you're going backwards. It just means that you've got a heart, a beautiful heart that feels and you remember that you've lost a lot. And sometimes that is more raw than others. I, I got close to a different guy before I met TJ and I got really close to him and he was a really kind person. And I thought that he was like my redemption story, you know? And I was also, it was really fresh off of my marriage ending and he helped me a lot, but I was, I was still a really broken person and you can't really you can't really build a sustainable relationship when somebody is needing help and the other one's helping. So he was, he's a really kind person, but it just didn't work out for the long run. And that actually felt devastating because I thought in my mind, I was like, Oh, it makes sense. I had to go through all that because this guy is the guy I needed to be with. And then that didn't turn out. He actually told me, believe it or not, he said, I just feel like God is saying, I'm not the one for you. We had both had feelings and it felt devastating. It felt like nothing works out for me. Like mm. I am just the person that is hurting all the time. Mm. And that was really, really painful. And then I ended up um, moving to New York City. My, my dear friend who I'd been on tour with, who loved me a lot, was like, I'm leaving for a show for three months. I want you to take my apartment in Chelsea. 
for free and just stay here. (laughs) You need to, yeah. He was like, you need to be in New York city. You need to be playing your music. It's time for you to move out of your parents' basement. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I ended up in New York city and I remember just feeling like, okay, like life is not what I thought it would be. I didn't think I would be in New York city by myself. And I felt lonely and I felt sad and I was still crying. And then it was like this gradual change where I stopped. I just wasn't crying as much. One day I remember talking to someone and just laughing freely. And there wasn't this catch with the laugh that hurt. Like when you're grieving and even if you laugh, it's almost like you can look at yourself laughing and you're like, I shouldn't be laughing because I'm a very sad person. And it feels like disingenuous to who you are. And it almost feels like you're playing a part. And I remember the first time I just laughed and I didn't have that thought. I was like 100% in sync with my laughter. And Mm -hmm. afterwards that night, I was like, I laughed like a normal person today. And I I felt like that was like, I was just- I love that you celebrated that. The little wins, (laughs) the blessings, you know? Like, this is who I am. Right. Right. And so, and I remember I kind of surrendered to God fully. I didn't know that I would get married again. I didn't know that, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like my life had changed so drastically that I was like, I don't have a plan. I don't have a map. I don't have a blueprint. God, I know that you love me and I'm just going to throw myself into things that feel positive and see what happens. And so I was playing a lot of music and I remember there was this one day where I was, waiting for the a train in new york city and these guys were like trying to talk to me they asked for my number and i was like no i don't give my number to strangers <laughs> um and then they just got on the train when it came they saw that i'd have a uke- that i had a ukulele and they asked me to play something and they had they were buskers they played drums and like you know um asked for tips and stuff so they started playing drums and we did one of my songs and it was really fun and somebody recorded it and anyway it ended up being a viral video a bunch of people reached out just to have like I played on Good Day New York and different things and um TJ was one of them and he reached out he was co-hosting for um Elvis Duran the morning show on Z100 in New York City and I didn't have a car I didn't listen to radio I didn't know there was like the society for ukulele players that was like 10 elderly men who reached out to me. (laughs) And then there was like TJ from like the big, one of the biggest shows in the country reached out. And I didn't know that one was bigger than the other. I was just like, sure, I'll talk to anyone. (laughs) And I will never forget. I went to that huge building where they were and I had my little like ukulele with me and I walked in and I saw TJ and he had his curly hair and his really cool sneakers. Do you have Adidas? Yeah, probably. You had really, I remember thinking, oh, he's got cool shoes. And he reached out for him to interview me. I had never met somebody who was so, like, he was so particular about how it sounded. Yes. And he wanted it to be EQ'd so perfectly. And he would get, like, frustrated if it wasn't perfect. And I was like, wow, this guy cares so deeply about about his craft. And I thought that was really cool. He started talking to me and he was like, you, I can tell, like I read your blog and I could tell you've got faith and you're somebody who prays. And he was like, I have faith. And I was thinking in my head, like, sure. Like, I just, I can be kind of skeptical about people who are like, yeah, I wonder I why, Jess, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> or who are just like, yeah, I'm just like you um, about faith. And, and cause I was like, you know, my faith was really important to me. And I don't know, I don't want to sound snobby, but I just didn't really believe him. I thought he was probably nice, but I didn't really think he cared that much about faith. But there was something about TJ 
that just stayed in my mind. And I remember telling my friend, like, a couple of days later, I was like, this TJ guy from the radio, I keep thinking about him. His curls. And she was like, <laughs> she was like, oh, do you like him? And I was like, no, not at all. I was <gasps> like, I don't like him. I just, because I really did not want to get into a relationship. I just wanted to be single and not hurting. And like oh. that had been, that had been happening. And I was yeah. so excited about it. And I was like, no, no, I just think he'd be a really cool friend. And she was like, well, you probably have a lot of friends already. You sure you just need one more like friend who's a single guy <laughs> who you think is cool. And I was like, well, let me just write him an email. And so I wrote him this like embarrassingly long email about ask, like asking him to be my friend and telling him the reasons why I think he would be a good friend. <laughs> and I put in this email that I didn't want to date him, which is so embarrassing. By the way. Um, yes. I was like, I'm not trying to date you. Yes. I mean, just like so unnecessary. Yeah. And I sent it. And TJ, what did you think about that email? I thought maybe you wanted to date me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think at that point I was just looking to make new friends too. But dating friends or just real friends? Yeah, by meeting new friends, somebody to marry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, it's interesting though about that email. I actually didn't think like, oh, this was going to turn into anything. I, I thought she was reaching out because she wanted advice on her music or in some way, maybe she thought because I work at a radio show, I could help and I was willing to do it. I was like, she was so nice. I would totally go out to dinner with her and I'll answer any questions she has or if I could help her in any way, I would love to help her. Um, and then we went out to dinner and we sat down for like two hours. Right. And uh, and we wound up going on a walk afterwards and we were together for three hours that night. And, and I didn't ask you one question about the music business. No. <laughs> it wasn't even in my mind. <laughs> right. And, and I really didn't know anything about the music business, so it worked out great. And I remember thinking like halfway through dinner, I was like, why did I say I didn't want to date him? I do want to date him. I on your it. first I date? Like, I mean, your dinner? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just, you know what? There's just, I had never met a human like TJ before. He's just, he was so intriguing to me and he's still so intriguing to me. But he, like, I never met anyone in radio. So that was interesting. And I am a creative person, but it's just a, like I'm a performer, but it was a different kind of performance, different. Like I just had never met anyone in radio. So, so I thought that was cool. And during the interview, again, he showed that he cared so much about his craft, which yeah. is really attractive to me that he just was such a hard worker and really was passionate about what he did, does. Um, <laughs> I'm cracking up just because like, picturing him. Or no, what? because I'm, you're like, I love that he's such a hard worker. And I'm just thinking of Bob. <laughs> bumming it you know <laughs> during your entire marriage well, yes <laughs> so it's well, like then, wow he's got then, a work ethic so interesting yes totally and then so he asked me right to dinner so we go to this little italian restaurant yeah. and i did not have much money at all like i had brought a little wad of cash from like babysitting and i was like i didn't know how much dinner would be and he kept on ordering food and I was like how much is this guy gonna order like this bill <laughs> I thought we would just split it and I was like oh my gosh this is gonna be so much money he ordered pizza as an appetizer and I was oh, like where geez. I come from that's dinner like yeah. that is not an appetizer and TJ's tiny and so, I know he's not a big <laughs> super big dude that's I hilarious. know he has like you know I so I was really nervous the whole, like I was nervous about how much it was gonna cost me because I was like this is a lot of food and it's like a nice restaurant and but then when I went to um, the bathroom, he paid the whole bill, wow. and I was like, I tried. Remember, I tried to take my little wad of cash out, and you're like, you can keep it. It's okay. Dang, TJ. So all this is going on. Jess, you're obviously vibing with TJ. Wow. Things are going down the right direction. 
And, yeah. and TJ, tell us from, from your end, when you start telling people about Jess, you're getting really excited. And, and like, you know, as we fast forward to you guys becoming something more serious, what was that process for you in knowing her background and, and sharing that with others? Yeah, I mean, it, it happened so interestingly, the way it all came about, because I just found that I kept enjoying my time with her more and more. And there's like a whole story of on my side, how I met her. And, um, I, you know, I, I've shared it with you guys, but I was in a really low place. I was in this awesome job, but I just felt kind of empty on the inside. And I just got to a place where I prayed and I asked God to bring someone into my life who I could love more and more every day, someone that would bring me closer to him, someone that I could start a family with. A couple months later, I wind up getting connected with Jess. And I didn't even realize in the beginning when I met her that she was the person. Your and answered prayer. Yeah, it was incredible that hmm. right from the very beginning, though, like from that first dinner, I just kept wanting to hang out with her more and more. And as I heard the story that she shared with you about what she went through, I was blown away by the fact that she was willing to forgive everyone involved. There was no one that she had any bitterness towards. She wasn't angry about her situation. And I'd never heard that there was such a thing that that, that was how you defined real forgiveness. And so that really intrigued me. And I realized there was something really special about her. But then to answer your question about how do you start to deliver that news to other people, um, I, I think there was a stigma that is attached, or, or at least I had a, a, a feeling when someone said they were divorced that, oh, well, you got to stay away from that. And I don't know why I ever felt that way. I don't know why. I think it's just such a stereotype yeah. that it was in my head. You would never want to be with someone who had been through that because of course, they're going to have a lot of issues, you know, but the thing is, if someone works out those issues and you could hear how Jess has worked out those issues, yeah. but she had worked out those issues by the time I met her, I knew immediately that that was not an issue. I said, oh, this girl's awesome. And her past is her past. And if anything, it seems like it's helped her become who she is today. Mm. So when I was going to people and, and I was telling them her story, um, I wasn't worried about that at all. And so I was ready for any sort of pushback. And I actually did have pushback right away and, and from some of the closest people in my life, including my dad, which we, <laughs> we talk about um, freely and, you know, it's totally fine. But when I first started telling him about Jess, he was like, ooh, you better watch out. There's there's a lot of baggage there. She was with someone before. <laughs> and, and again, I had this confidence because I had gotten to know her so well by the time I was telling anyone about her that I knew that she was something special and, and they were just kind of going off that same stereotype that maybe I was um, before I got to know her. And, you know, isn't that so true for so many things? People assume a lot about a lot of things until they really know the truth or they, they learn about what they're so afraid of, or, you know, you just go down the list, the more information you have and the more experience you have, it just gives you such a, a more solid foundation for whatever situation that may be. I, I was not worried at all when anyone thought, I, I think I was at a place in my life where I wasn't so concerned what people thought of me anymore. Um, mm. or, or wasn't worried at like in this high school mindset, like, what is it, what are they going to think? I was like, no, this girl's awesome. And yeah. I'm confident that there's something really special brewing here. And we just want to see where this goes. TJ, you mentioned that Jess told you how she was able to forgive everybody that was involved. And that was like amazing to you. But how did you do that? Jess, how did you forgive? That's such a hard thing to do. Yeah. Because it wasn't just forgiving Bob. You said that the person <laughs> right. that he was unfaithful to you right. with was somebody you like a knew, mutual. like a mutual friend. So that yeah, person was close to you friend. as well. Yes. So that was really interesting um, to put it lightly. That was really hard. I mean, that was like a betrayal um, from, you know, my husband and then a betrayal from, from somebody else who was very close to me. So 
I definitely thought about it and I knew right away that the only way to move forward for myself is to forgive because what forgiveness is not saying is that what somebody did to you is fine and that you have no feelings about it. That is not what forgiveness is saying. What forgiveness is really saying is that the debt that you owe me because of what you stole from me, because of how you hurt me, I'm no longer going to say that you have to repay it to me. And I'm going to say you're free from this debt and you can walk forward in freedom and I can walk forward without thinking about the thing that you owe me for the rest of my life, Mm. right? So it's sort of just saying like you're released and forgiven and you no longer owe me something, which really makes the most practical sense because how do you pay someone back Mm. for sleeping with their husband? You know how there, there's nothing you yeah. can do. You can't be like, well, here you go. I, I baked you a cake or I, here's a hundred bucks right. or whatever. It is a choice. Like for, mm. for me, what I found is that it's a choice that you continue to make. I am going to walk in forgiveness towards this person. Now I'm going to have feelings because I have been very badly hurt. When these feelings crop up or when I feel them, then I'm going to take them to God and talk to my therapist about it or talk to safe people about my feelings. So it's not like an either or it's not like you have to forgive and just feel happy and feel fine. Mm -hmm. It's this again, continual posture of your heart where you no longer owe me this and you are free to live your life, to heal, to move forward. And I am free to also live my life and heal and move forward. There's something different called restitution, which, which basically is like when you do take something from someone when you hurt them very badly, when you victimize something, there is sort of like some kind of way that you need to walk with that person because they are hurt where like, if it's a practical thing, let's say you steal $500 to someone, you owe them $500, right? Mm -hmm. So that would be restitution. When it's an emotional thing, then maybe it's more about building trust. Mm -hmm. I decided in the beginning that I want to walk in forgiveness towards this person. So what does that look like? So I decided I'm actually not going to see her for for a few months. We're not going to see each other and we're not going to talk. And then the first time we talked, we met with a counselor. We met with somebody who wow. was like a caring person. We cried and we talked and we cried and we talked. And then the second time we met just the two of us and we went to a restaurant and I asked her all the questions I have. And she answered honestly, which to her credit is a really mature thing to do. That can't be easy. That can't be comfortable. Um, and she was very available and open. I, I decided that I was already losing so much. I didn't want to lose this person who I've had a relationship with for a long time. I didn't want to also lose her. And so we just continued to take baby steps and things did not feel normal for a long time. But I will say that I am grateful that she's in my life and I'm grateful she was at mine and TJ's wedding. Wow. I was grateful that she was there. The so, woman that slept with your ex-husband was at your wedding with TJ. Correct. If that's not forgiveness, I, yeah. I don't know what it is. She better have given you the best gift, by the way. <laughs> or stay really, really far away from my husband. <laughs> she you sat on what? the other corner. In a, in a way, I mean, it's so, you guys, it is so hard to figure out life. What yeah. is it? Is it wonderful? Is it horrible? Is it both? I went through such a painful time and it was so horrible and the suffering was so terrible and the suffering that she went through, honestly, 
was also really hard. But then at the same time, she also gave me this like, you know, get out of jail free card. And I wouldn't be with TJ Mm -hmm. had it not been for this bomb that she let off in my life. I'm very grateful for her contributions. (laughs) (laughs) TJ, did you go up to her at your wedding? You're like, yo, thank you so much for sleeping with Bob. I mean, no, I don't. I didn't bring it up. You didn't. But I, I think I, I think I have said something like, I wish that you didn't have to go through so much pain and right. me too, but I am really grateful that I am where I am now. And you're part of that. Wow. So what I have learned is that things are not black and white almost ever, yeah. especially with relationships. Like this person, she is a loving person. She is a kind person. She loves me. Mm. Like you can do something, something that looks horrible, something that is horrible to other people and actually love them and not hate them. And like, that's something I learned, like, this is more about some struggles that she has in her own life Mm -hmm. than trying to destroy me or hurt me. So Jess, what advice would you give other women that are going through infidelity? You have to look at every unique situation. And my first advice would be to talk to safe, mature, kind people who love you and tell them, tell them what you're going through. Because in my situation, I needed to get out of that marriage. There was there was nothing good left there. He had broken every vow that he made. And really, a divorce paper was just finalizing what he had done, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And then with the other woman in my situation was a person who I'd been in close relationship with for at least 10 years. So that was a relationship that existed before this betrayal, I had a foundation there. So it's like my advice would not be to find out who the other woman is at work that you've never met and become her best friend. You Uh know what I mean? Like uh a lot of times the healthy thing to do is, is to forgive, but have no relationship with them. And that's totally fine. Mm. And you don't need to be a hero. You don't need to invite them to your kid's birthday party or, you know, try to make it work. Like if it's just this ongoing painful thing, you can forgive and cut off all ties, right. not have the person in your life. Same with your, if you need to get out of the marriage, you know, and I would say if it's ongoing infidelity, then you should probably get out of the marriage, you know, go with God, but please go cut off the ties. And with my ex-husband with Bob, I have no ties with him now. None. It wouldn't hurt me to see him. I, I'm not traumatized by him. I hope, I hope he's doing fine, but there's just no room in my life. There's no, it's not necessary. And out of respect for TJ, why would I talk to Bob? It right. just He's just not a present person in my in the life that I have now. Right. Thank you for sharing that. I think some key points as we wrap up this episode, you, you said it is, is forgiveness is releasing. You're no longer a debt collector. I love Correct. how you basically explain that, Jess. And so many times we don't want to forgive people because like you said, it's like we believe it. We're saying, hey, it's okay what you did to me. Right. But not, it's just saying, hey, I'm no longer going to chase you right? to collect the debt because there's nothing you can do right. or give me to restore that pain. So right. you, you decided to let go of that and to what TJ was saying. Therefore, when he got in a relationship with you, you no longer had that baggage of uncollected debt. You were whole. Yeah. You were paid in full by Jesus yeah. who can restore anybody. And who could restore yeah. us. And then you followed yeah. what Jesus has done for all of us and forgiven all of our sins. And you forgave them and released them of that debt. So you can move on with your life and enjoying your beautiful family that you have. 
with your three daughters and and Luke up in heaven. And we're just so grateful for both you and TJ. I, I think you hit something on the spot as well that can be applied to so many other areas, man, is that these stigmas or these stereotypes that society and we have placed on people, regardless, because maybe they come from a certain neighborhood or they're a certain uh, race or because mm -hmm. they're divorced or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I love what you did, TJ. You got to know the actual individual. Mm. Right. And look at the reward that that offered. Because if you would have believed the stereotype, the stigma, you wouldn't even given Jess that opportunity to get to know her and be blessed the way you are today. And I will say, like, I, I think maybe we were, it was our second time hanging out when TJ was like, you keep sort of alluding to, to being like having been hurt. He was like, just, so just why don't you just tell me like what happened? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is, I was like, I don't even know if you're ready for this. This is kind of a crazy story. And he was like, well, I mean, we don't have anywhere to be. Why don't you just tell me? And so I literally thought in my mind, this will be the Scare last time away. I see this guy. <laughs> yeah. Like he's not going to want it. He's not going to call. He's not going to want to see me. This was our exact second date, by the way. This is a carbon oh. copy right here in this episode. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and so I, uh, <laughs> I told him and he was just staring at me and I was like, yeah, okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> and then he leaned forward and he kissed me and Aww. that was how he responded. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess. So I guess romantic. you can't be that grossed out by me. <laughs> you know what's so interesting about that, Edgar and Janet, is you think about this horrible dark time that Jess went through, and that darkness was the moment where I was like, wow, I got to get to know this girl better. So God used that really tough time mm -hmm. to actually say, oh, this is going to be the thing that's going to make this guy like start to fall in love with you. you. Yeah. Like me telling you that story that for me was like the ugliest thing in my life actually was the thing that made you think, oh, I got to get to know this girl better. That's different. And it was it was talking about forgiveness, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. TJ, I love that you brought that up too, because during this season that Jen and I have been going through as well, and even in the previous episode in talking to my good friend Majestic, who's been through a lot of dark and difficult moments as well, it keeps going back. And we've said it a couple of times in our episodes this season, babe, is what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. Mm -hmm. Not saying that everything that happens to you is good, mm -hmm. but God right. will figure it out if you, like Jess said, surrender to him and he will eventually use it for good. Are mm -hmm. you willing to travel, though, mm -hmm. from the place where you're at right now and hurt and pain and like Jess depicted in the picture that her therapist gave her and travel across those waters to the good that God has prepared for you? And I think the message okay. is. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on yourself. And don't give up on people just because others have hurt you. Right. You deserve right. to be whole. You deserve to be at peace and to enjoy life. As I remember that first time you laughed genuinely, just the way you described mm -hmm. it. You know, <laughs> you deserve those moments. And now you guys have those moments. And both of you, TJ, you through your radio show in Boston and now through your podcast and just through your Instagram and your blog and your newsletter that you send out, like y'all have blessed so many of us because of what you've been through. God's reach is exponential thanks to you two and for allowing God to work through you and sharing your story and sharing your pain. Now people can be encouraged. Mm -hmm. So 
Thank hmm. you. Keep doing it. We're just so grateful for you guys. Yeah. Thank you for being there in our toughest moments. And uh, we love you guys. We really love you guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for just being open and just every time we see them, it's like they open their arms so wide and it's yeah. like, oh, just like family. Yeah. Thank uh, you guys. You we, guys are some, so unique. You're so unique and we're so blessed. We're so blessed. We adore you guys. And um, I am just floored at how kind God is to bring you into our lives. TJ does just doesn't have a ton of friends that he talks to so deeply about really everything, faith, family, emotions, work, career. And Edgar, you are just such a gift in TJ's life. And um, as his wife and like as someone who just knows TJ so well, I just see him really so engaged and so fully lit up like entering into life when he is talking to you on the phone. And I just, I just so appreciate that so much. And, and Janet, I adore you and I adore the times that we get to talk and your faith is so inspirational. I just love to see your creativity and how you bring beauty to every angle of life, even talking about grief. And like, I love the cheese plate that you made when you guys were (laughs) celebrating your dad who recently passed away his birthday in heaven and how you just, every detail you made it so beautiful. And I just feel like we just are so, um, blessed by you guys absolutely in in every way and so we're grateful and we're grateful that you had us as guests on your podcast we're totally honored to be here you totally made us cry and edgar's crying now (laughs) why are you crying i'll I'll take the moment while he's in tears to um (laughs) just send a message to anyone who has found edgar either on the radio or through this podcast i just want you to know as another person who's in the radio industry that this guy is as genuine as it gets the person that you think you're listening to (laughs) He is that person. Mm -hmm. And that's a rare thing, unfortunately, (laughs) in the the show business industry. So beyond radio, there's a lot of phoniness. It's show business. But (laughs) I don't know a guy who's more genuine than Edgar. And um, I feel really fortunate that I found him in my life. But the fact that you're here and you're listening to him, congratulations. You found an awesome person to listen to. And and I love that Janet is on this particular podcast (laughs) with him. But uh, I'm just so excited that you're here and that you found the Sotelos. They're an incredible family. And they will continue to inspire you. And they are the people who you think they are. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you guys. Listen, if you want to get more of TJ and Jess, obviously you can follow them at Radio TJ and at Jessica Latshaw. But TJ also has an amazing podcast. And thank God, Jess jumps on it a lot. Oh my gosh, I love hearing you sing. <laughs> and they just... Oh, and you. Charlie, she's there too. They improvise. Uh, I think the ukulele comes out at times. And the just piano. as you heard, TJ to me, again, is one of the most creative, engaging, Smart. quirky, hilarious, inspirational people I I've agree. ever met in my life. And Jess, she's a white girl, but she has a soul <laughs> voice. It's like some like. Yes, yeah, a soulful singer. So if you want to check out their podcast, here's one of my favorite episodes that Jess and TJ did. It's called the TJ show until further notice. <laughs> and here's a little sample of what happened on one of their episodes. I am reporting live right after Jessica just sent a picture of herself with just a bra on. It was meant for me, but instead it went to our family thread. That includes my dad, my mom, and my brother, Mike. How do you feel, Jess? No, wait, not my family, your family thread. 
Oh my gosh. I mean, what do I do about it? I said, I'm really sorry. This is embarrassing. I thought TJ was the only one on this thread. <laughs> yeah, and your that uh, was a sorry. full investigation that I had to launch because <laughs> Jess did exactly what you heard there, and I immediately sprung into action as any good reporter or journalist would do. And the entire feature, I interviewed my mom about it, my dad, my brother. <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure I got firsthand interviews immediately after it happened. And so you can uh, check that out. That's one of the episodes. That episode. Jess, were you Never. trying to get kinky with him or were you like, hey, do you like the bra? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I mean, like sometimes I'll just, I'll just be like, hey, here's like a sexy picture. My hey. special lover. Nice. And I definitely would not send that to his like parent, his dad and his brother and his mom. I will never make that mistake again because now I'm careful. I learned the hard way. Jessica's like, I no longer group text ever. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. No, but check out that episode. Uh, It's absolutely hilarious. I can't believe TJ legit talked to his mom and dad. Like, hey, what did you guys think of Jess's picture? I believe it. Oh, my gosh. it's It was so cringeworthy. I remember listening to it. I was driving, yeah. and I was just cringing the entire time, but I couldn't stop listening. I'm like, well, what does that make me right now? <laughs> well, well, thank you, Edgar. And, and it's just such another testimony to your character that you would share that with your audience and let people know there's another podcast out there. And um, I appreciate your heart so much. So thank you for that. Absolutely, yep. man. No, you guys are amazing. Same, same. And we got to support each other. That's what we're here for. All right, guys. <laughs> well, thank you, familia. For those of you listening, we appreciate all the love and support. Thank you for your reviews on Apple Podcasts, for subscribing. It helps us tremendously. If you want to connect with us via social media. Yeah, you can follow us on hashtag Losotelos or on our website, losotelos.com. God bless, familia. Remember, don't allow anyone or anything to steal your joy. Go out there, love, serve, and celebrate each other and yourself. And we're going to leave you with audio of that song that Jess went viral with and her ukulele. Check it out. Animo. When you're a Delta Sky Miles Reserve American Express card member, your favorite meal in another city is just an online booking away. Así que conocerás dónde se consigue el mejor pan dulce to have with your morning cafecito in L.A. Where's the best pupusería in the Bay? ¿Y dónde encontrar la salsa verde más rica en San Antonio? Because you're the travel foodie. The Delta Sky Miles Reserve American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know reserve.